0: hello and welcome to leipzig that's the name of our new podcast in which we will take you with us on a journey through the beautiful city of leipzig by we i mean myself lucas and my colleague paula hey how are you
1: hey lucas and hey to all our listeners
0: well i've lived in leipzig for a couple of years now so i know my way around the city but still there's always so much more to discover especially for you paula right
1: Yep, I'm what you could call a newbie to Leipzig. I've only moved here a little over a year ago to study at the University of Leipzig. In that short amount of time, I've already fallen in love with the city and its people, and I'm sure your listeners will too.
0: That's right, in this podcast we will show you the highlights, the Leipzig essentials, the most interesting people and let you in on some insider information about one of Germany's most beautiful and historically relevant cities.
1: One of the main aspects that heavily contributed to Leipzigs fame was the music scene here. And that's exactly what we'll talk about today and in the next episodes. I'm super excited for what the city has in store for us and who we will meet along the way. So let's stop talking about it and get right into it. Stay tuned to join us on our expedition through Leipzig.
0: Okay, let's do this.
1: Welcome to Leipzig, the podcast for your trip to Leipzig.
0: Wow, quite a view. I'm standing on the stage of the great hall in the Gewandhaus zu Leipzig. The stage has already been prepped. There are rows of chairs and music stands. A couple of instruments are already here. I can see uh, eight double basses, a big drum, a couple of kettle drums and cymbals. The acoustics in here are great, but as you can already hear in the background, we brought a little recording for you of the orchestra so you can get your own impression. So now imagine you're sitting here with 1,900 other guests listening to the orchestra. At the moment there are no guests here. I'm more or less by myself, except for Paula, who's sitting in the ranks.
1: I've got the most amazing view on the stage from back here. I can really imagine the whole room being filled with people. You've already mentioned that the stage is set up mostly. There's a bunch of instruments and a bunch of chairs and it's almost like I myself can hear the music that the Gewandhaus Orchestra normally plays here as you listeners should be able to hear right now. It's not often that I get to be in a concert hall as impressive as this, so I'm trying to take as much in as possible, and the most impressive part by far is the huge organ that's in the front of the room.
0: Yeah, I'll have to check that out, I'll join you.
1: Then be careful getting off the stage. But of course, we're not here just for kicks. The Gewandhaus is one of the most important and most famous concert halls in Leipzig, and it has been for many, many years. Leipzig used to be the music capital of the world, with some of the most influential musicians in history calling the city their home. Music eras like the Baroque, Classical or Romantic era have left their marks and traces all over the city, which we will explore with you listeners in this podcast.
0: And speaking of marks and traces, there's a five kilometer long path called Leipziger Notenspur, which more or less translates to the music trail of Leipzig. Following this trail, one can discover multiple music venues such as the Opera, the Mendelssohn House, the Bach Museum and the Gewandhaus. These are the four venues we will be visiting this season on the podcast.
1: Fittingly, Lucas and I are beginning the first episode of the podcast at the very first stop of the music trail, namely the Gwandhaus positioned directly at the beautiful Augustusplatz, right next to the spectacular University of Leipzig building. The heart of the Gewandhaus is the so-called Großer Saal, or Great Hall, the very room that we are in right now. For me personally, this is a very exciting moment, because as a student at the University of Leipzig, I walked past the Gewandhaus hundreds of times, and I've always wondered what it might look like inside. I'm very happy that we can finally solve this mystery today, especially because the name Gewandhaus never really gave me much indication as to what the purpose of the building actually was.
0: I bet we're going to find out.
1: I hope so. Then without further ado, let's take a look around. Let's go. Before we go, I need to get up on the stage for a second, though.
0: How does it feel in the spotlight?
1: Quite nerve-wracking, to be honest. It's almost like I can feel the adrenaline (laughs) pumping through my veins, and it's almost like I can hear the applause from the audience. (laughs) Okay, I'm done, let's go. It seems like the city and the Gewandhaus have a very interesting reciprocal interaction. Of course, the Gewandhaus was influenced by the city, but the city itself was also heavily influenced by the Gewandhaus and the people who have worked here over the years. One of those people is Professor Andreas Schulz. He started working as the director of the Gewandhaus over 20 years ago and has agreed to meet and talk with us today. His office must be somewhere over there. Mr. Schulz, thank you so much for making the time to talk to us today.
2: I'm happy to welcome you and I'm especially happy just to present a few informations about the Gewandhaus Orchestra and the Gewandhaus.
1: Yeah, so are we. The Gewandhaus really is such an incredible institution and you're the one who knows this the very best. We'll talk about everything visitors can do and explore here in a minute, but first we'd like to hear a bit more about the history of this place. So first things first, what is the Gewandhaus at its essence?
2: Let's say there's really a long and a very unique history of the Gewandhaus Orchestra, starting in 1743. But for sure this will take too long to explain everything and every year what happened in the past. I would just like to concentrate on five important dates of our history. The first one is 1743, as I already said. This is the year where 16 private people, 16 merchants, founded a concert society named Das Große Konzert. This was the start of the Gewandhaus Orchestra. Just in the first year, they have had private concerts in their homes, and they decided after nearly 40 years that they have to have a concert hall. And this is the second important day, 1781. This was the first season, the first official concert season of the Gewandhaus Orchestra at the Gewandhaus. And this brings us up to the meaning of Gewandhaus. These special houses were in the upper floors. The concert hall was was the, let's say, trading house of the textile industry, the house used by the cloth and garment merchants, a meeting point for them to do their job. And in this special house, there was just on the upper floors under the roof, they, let's say, rebuilt an exhibition hall into a concert hall with 500 seats, a fantastic acoustic, everything would around. And from that period on started the concert season, nearly 100 years. They decided the hall is much too small and they just built by private money a new concert house. The second Gewandhaus opened in 1884. But there was an as well important date before 1840. In this year, the Gewandhaus Orchestra get by the city of Leipzig, by the government of the city of Leipzig, the task to have in the future, let's say, three jobs at the same time. So we are the orchestra of the Gewandhaus. We are as well the orchestra of the opera in Leipzig, and as well, let's say, the chamber music ensemble for St. Thomas Church, where we are performing every weekend together with St. Thomas Boy's choir, the Bach Cantatas. As I said, 1884, the second Gewandhaus, with two halls, the main hall with 1,500 seats and the chamber music hall with 500 seats. fantastic acoustic, a unique um, building in Europe, destroyed what a pity at the end of the Second World War. So the orchestra have had an interim of nearly 40 years and by the initiative of Kurt Mazur, who was Gewandhauskapellmeister from 1970 on, they built the third Gewandhaus opened in 1981 here at the Augustusplatz in the center of the city.
1: And to tie into that, I wanted to touch on something that we saw earlier when we went to the Great Hall, which was uh, on the organ, there's some letters and it says Res severa verum gaudium, which is Latin for true joy is a serious thing, right? How does that apply to the Gewandhaus and the Gewandhaus Orchestra?
2: This, let's say, is our motive with us, always with us. And it comes from the first Gewandhaus. That was just written just behind the stage on the wall. It's a quote from the 23rd Senegal Letter Real pleasure is a serious matter. And we used it all the centuries in the past and translated it nowadays in a way, let's say, we convey music just for joy for the people. So it's important for us to carry this motive with us because we are on stage, we are performing our concerts, and it's just for the joy of the people.
1: Okay. So it's obvious that, as you already mentioned, um, the Gewandhaus looks back on a very interesting history with a lot of important people working and living here, how is their influence still visible today?
2: There's one important subject. We do have the Mendelssohn House, the Mendelssohn Museum here in Leipzig. So he is visible, not he himself, but the the, um, apartment where he was living. And uh, we are performing many of Mendelssohn pieces in our repertoire. It's been our repertoire in the concerts. But not only Mendelssohn, but Holdi. all others are in a way visible with this, what they have done. So for example, Bruno Walter, who was Gewandhaus-Galpermeister, who started with a huge Mahler tradition of this orchestra. This was going on then with Ricardo Shai when he was Gewandhaus-Galpermeister, who have done the first Mahler Festival in Leipzig 2011. And that's that is still
1: something that's happening today, right? Sorry that's to interrupt. It's
2: happening today. Every ten years we yeah. do a special Mala Festival. The next will be in 2023 and we are really looking forward for this special event. But not only concerts are in a way withable for the people who are still living here or coming from outside. These are as well many other projects, indoor and outdoor projects, outdoor like the huge Rosenthal, uh, concerts every year at the end of the season, where we are expecting nearly 20, 30,000 people just having picnic together in a wonderful atmosphere. The Gremantos Orchestra is performing soundtracks from John Williams and other repertoire. Uh, We do many education projects in different parts of the city, so we are really present here. You can see always the musicians not only on stage, but as well in the city.
1: So you could also say that the Gewandhaus has fundamentally influenced the city itself.
2: Yes, because Leipzig is a music city. It was in a way just more, let's say, 100 years ago but where we nowadays, with our orchestra, also with so many, we have two music schools here in Leipzig. We do have the MDR Orchestra here in Leipzig. Leipzig is still breathing music. You just talked about the projects of the Gewandhaus. There
0: is one in particular I read about. It's to play, to play. Could you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, this is one of these projects, what I already mentioned, where we just would like to combine musicians from the so-called Freie Szene, that means who are doing their music as a DJ or to improvise or whatever, and to combine their stylistics with the stylistics of classical music. That means we have done, for example, three years ago, a wonderful project with our Gewandhauschor Corps and Martin Kohlstedt. This project was so successful that we have had an enormous tour afterwards. In this year we do have a DJ, a lady DJ, together with one of our players, and this project is always for one year with open rehearsals where you can just be part of how music is growing, how music comes together, how the difficult techniques of these two worlds are coming together in one piece. At the end it will be a premiere, a presentation, a premier concert where you then just listen to the complete work, to the complete new oeuvre. But it's a fantastic um, project where you just combine completely different things in the best sense of a so-called crossover. And we have to open up our programs, we have to open up our ideas, what we are doing. We have to be creative to work together with other musicians in the city, which shows a little little bit of our flexibility, but also of what people are expecting today. On the one side, it's fantastic if you could do our programs with Bruckner symphonies and others, but on the other hand, we have to open the doors to bring in younger people to make to give them let's say the the possibility to understand for example Bruckner's music to be closer to that music to educate them in a way and if we just have something as a closed building then nobody will come. And then just the argument to have a huge and the unique history is not something where you will survive in the future.
0: Yeah young people might be intimidated by Classical music.
1: I think there's a prejudice that classical music is pretty like stiff, stiff, and and that you always
0: have to dress up in dress code and so forth. Exactly. This isn't the case with the Gewandhaus.
2: No, I have completely different experience in that. Just a few years ago, we have had a wonderful project called Audio Invasion. This was one club night um, combined with classical music. So we started at a Saturday evening at ten o'clock. Firstly, with a classical concert, one one and a half hour. And then we have had different DJs here at the Gewandhaus. There was, let's say, a huge party until 6 o'clock in the morning, whatever. When we decided, I just remember one year where we decided to do Brahms Requiem with John Elliott Gardiner, his choir, and our orchestra. Text is not easy of this Requiem. And we have had a long discussion if the young people will understand what is happened there. If it is not too, oh, to, what what's we listen there to a Requiem. It was one of the successful concerts, I have to say. We had 2,000 people in the hall, completely quiet, listening to Den Alles Fleisches ist wie Gras, and they were completely overwhelmed by this fantastic music.
1: And what did you think um, compelled the people to being interested in that?
2: I think the power of music, the emotion of music. Perhaps you have not to understand what instrument is just playing there, but to have the feeling sitting together in a concert hall, because music is always emotionally.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think it's really interesting that with this very long tradition and history, um, the emphasis of the Gewandhaus is also still on modernness and progressiveness and all that. And I think that's something that also attracts a lot of tourists to this institution. What special recommendations would you give to tourists?
2: Short stay, let's say, three places are important. First of all, the Gewandhaus. The St. Thomas Church, because Bach was living here, and Bach's music is really something what everybody can understand in the world. And the third place is the Mendelssohn House, the Mendelssohn Museum. And I think with these three places, you will just get mainly in a good overview of the history of the music city of Leipzig.
0: That's one of our stops for the podcast this season, the Mendelssohn House. So um, this just is a little teaser for the audience. Thank you very much for taking the time and giving us uh, giving us these insights and the recommendations for the for the visitors.
2: Thank you so much for coming. I was very happy that I just could give you an overview and for many people from outside what is the Gewandhaus orchestra? What is the Gewandhaus and how it is and how it is so important to come to Leipzig and visit this wonderful music city.
0: Well, that was quite interesting, all the facts about the House, but now I'd like to suck up the experience of this building, of the place.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, just walking around here, you can see all the artwork mm-hmm. that is on the walls. And there's Very one... modern. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's one specific artwork, though, that I would like to take a closer look at.
0: Okay, lead the way.
1: Follow me. So this is where I wanted to come for a second. This huge painting that is on the wall of the house I think it's one of the main attractions also for tourists.
0: Right, I heard about this as well. It's, uh, it's a ceiling fresco by Sieghard Gille, which by the way, now that we're recording this, it's his 80th birthday. On this very day that yeah, we're here. Yeah, this very day.
1: What a coincidence. I think, in my opinion, one of the most impressive paintings I've ever seen. I think it's over 700 square meters big.
0: Yeah, and 32 meters high.
1: And there's so much to see and to discover in that painting. You can never see the whole thing. It's always, you always have to change perspectives. And from every perspective, you see something different. I think I see some of the city and at the very bottom, there's the orchestra. And then there's some animals everywhere, cars. And a pig. (laughs) A pig, yeah. But we don't
0: want to spoil too much. Yeah. Yeah, as far as I know, this was painted 1980 through 1981.
1: So it took like roughly two to three years to plan and to execute and everything. Right.
0: And it's said to be inspired by Gustav Mahlers Das Lied von der Erde.
1: Interesting. So we definitely recommend everybody who comes here to just take a couple more minutes and look at the painting and uh, see what you can discover here because there's lots to discover. And I also think there's lots more to discover in this building, so let's go. Yeah,
0: This is very impressive, yeah. I I saw a couple of other smaller pictures Mm -hmm. and statues around the corridors.
1: Am I hearing music from somewhere, or am I imagining things? No, no,
0: someone's rehearsing.
1: Sounds like it.
0: Sounds like a violin.
1: Or something with strings.
0: Definitely, yeah.
1: Maybe if we follow that noise, we can discover more.
0: How do you hear it? They're rehearsing where we were before on the stage. so we yeah. can ask a few questions.
1: Let's just wait here and wait for them to finish so we can maybe talk to someone. Okay. Well, the door is opening. I think people are coming out. Maybe we can talk to someone.
0: Hello. We just heard a rehearsal going on in there. Hi. Um,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> you one of the musicians from the art orchestra?
1: Yes. And would you mind taking a couple minutes to talk to us, maybe about your job? Of course,
0: yeah. OK, yeah, then yeah. let's go over to the other room where we can sit down. Yeah,
1: let's mm. do that. Thank you so much.
0: Would you mind introducing yourself?
3: Yes, my uh, name is Elisabeth Dingstad. I'm a violinist in the Gewandhaus Orchestra.
1: Yeah, thank you very much for taking the time. Uh, we just witnessed a bit of the rehearsal. What would you say, um, how much time does it take to get to that level of practice in music?
3: Um, I would say, um, for myself and also for my colleagues, I mean, we—if we get a job, then we get it in our twenties, between twenties and thirties—and most of us have practiced since we were kids. When did it's, you start playing? I started when I was five. So uh, it depends a bit on the instrument, of course, but um, I think for string players, it's quite normal and also necessary to start when you're still mm-hmm. a kid.
0: Did you always know uh, you wanted to become a professional musician?
3: No, I just I started early and I uh, played a lot of concerts already when I was a kid. So basically, I didn't have to I didn't have to choose. I, it was just there already, and I, it was a quite uh, easy decision. I uh, I don't envy my my fellow students because many people don't know what to do when they're finishing school, but that was never a question.
1: So it seems like a like quite the natural uh, progression. Did it feel just as natural to then start working for the Gaukantos Orchestra? Now
3: it feels very natural. I feel very at home here, and I've been here now for for yeah eight years. So it feels like home. I'm born in Norway and I uh, grew up there, and I went to study in Germany. So I felt quite close to the German. Um, uh, tradition and musical tradition when I finished studying so I, I I went back to Scandinavia and had two jobs there and then, um, then I realized I need to go back to Germany so that was an easy choice then.
0: Okay,
1: what especially draws you to Germany then?
3: Uh, the music I would say and the, the way of treating the music and also here in Leipzig there is just uh, so much history and... Uh, I think as a musician, it's really, really nice just to, to, I mean, we're not more entitled to play this music than other musicians, but but we're just so lucky to have all this history around and you feel, it makes you feel quite close to the music somehow. And
1: um, there's a certain level of appreciation here, I think. Yes, yeah. yeah.
0: As we know, there were a lot of prestigious composers in Leipzig um, who have influenced uh, the history here, um, such as Bach and Mendelssohn. Do you have any favorites?
3: Of course, I have favorites, but but uh, I mean Bach is of course very high up on the list. Maybe maybe on the first place. I don't know. But um, we have one colleague in the orchestra. He's specialized in in uh, all the composers and all the pieces who were written in Leipzig and, and played here for the first time. and yeah, there's so many connections I didn't know about even when I started here. It just, it keeps coming, these these uh, connections. I'm sure there's much more to discover still.
1: I feel like what a lot of people don't know is that uh, being a musician is a full-time job. Could you tell us a bit more about what your day-to-day routine as a musician looks like?
3: I think a lot of the time is just preparation. It's... Uh, Usually I know for sure which pieces and in which house uh, I'm playing uh, ten days before. So um, in the beginning of the week I might go to the Gewandhaus I, or I go to the opera and then I pick up my music and then I uh, try to get ready for the first rehearsal. But otherwise from that you also, of course, you have to keep the instrument in shape mm-hmm. and you have to keep yourself in shape all the time. So that is becoming more and more important, I feel also because you play for so many hours. So it's just really important just to take care of yourselves and, and warm up and stay in shape. Mm-hmm. So even though there's a weekend or a day off, then it's, uh, it's always on the way to something. So <laughs> mm-hmm. And also sometimes uh, you, get, you get a call uh, just a few hours before. Can you come and play Carmen tonight? maybe not a question, it's sometimes just an order. <laughs> and then you have to play, and then you yeah. have to be ready, so you never know. Yeah.
0: So you play every day?
3: Yes, yeah. But I play it every day, I'm, maybe I'm a bit nerd, but I, I, I play every day anyway also. In I also think you have to in some level yeah. of nerd to get Yeah. Into I think. Yeah, I think the nerd level is quite high, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in, the, in a very loving way.
0: In in the world of music, when you look at the Gewandhaus, mm-hmm. what would you say? What is like the um, most striking thing about it? What is it known for?
3: People from outside often say the sound, the quality of the sound, the size of the orchestra. That means we have musicians who play opera and symphony concerts at all times, and and, and uh, that's a very Unusual structure.
0: So there's a certain skill level of the musicians.
3: It's a, a special combination of skills, I would say, and it uh, makes life as a musician uh, always. Um, I mean, never there's n- never a week that is the same. Every week it's is different. Never so a dull that's make, yeah. It's never a dull moment. So I, I feel very fulfilled. <laughs>
1: Sounds good. We also already touched on some of the important personalities that have lived and worked in Leipzig, such as Bach or Mendelssohn. And it's safe to say that Leipzig has very rich musical history. Our podcast is for tourists, obviously. So, what do you recommend for tourists that come here to experience that rich musical history?
3: I think I would start in the Thomaskirche and go and listen to uh, the Tumana choir because that's a very, very, very special thing. Also, every time when we play, I go out with tears in my eyes. It sounds very cheesy, but it's true.
1: <laughs> I can imagine. I've um, never heard it play, but it just seems very impressive.
3: I mean, all these pieces by Bach, you know, and, 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 and to hear it with uh, boy, with the boys' choir, it's just fantastic every time. and um, And then... They should come to Gewandhaus and of course uh, <laughs> and go to our concerts, and uh, and and maybe on the next night they should go in the opera. Now there's, uh, there's so much to, to, to see, and I think Leipzig has a very good size, so it's actually very manageable to walk around, and you can um, and you can just look up, and 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 you will find signs and uh, yeah history and culture and every corner almost so there's yeah.
1: something to do for every day of the week basically. yes
3: I would say so yeah
1: great thank you I think that's all for now thank you for your time thank you for talking to us
0: thank you very much <laughs> it was a pleasure very interesting
1: then have fun practicing the rest of the day, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. we hope
0: you, you uh, stay in good shape so you can keep playing the violin.
3: Until I'm 70. At, At least. least. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you.
0: OK, now we're back in the foyer. In front of the ceiling fresco we saw before on the lowest level now so we have a different angle on it and this is the spot where when you the listeners come to the gewandhaus will enter and start your evening here this is where we're going to leave the building
1: exactly this is where our tour of the Gewandhaus today is ending now. And one thing's for sure, we'll take a lot of impressions of the Gewandhaus home with us today. It's a real Leipzig institution with a history that goes back all the way to the 1700s and still it has managed to stay modern and progressive. Finally, I know what this place looks like from the inside and I no longer have to wonder every time I go to uni. Closure at last. If you listeners have paid close enough attention to this episode, you might have realized that we have heard the name Felix Mendelssohn Bartholdy before, and that's the musician that we will take a closer look at in the next episode. The next episode will take us to the second stop on the Leipzig music trail, the Mendelssohn house, the house where the musician who was one of Leipzig's most important citizens lived and died.
0: Exactly right. If you guys are planning a trip to Leipzig, check out the website leipzig.travel. There you'll find helpful information on the music city and the Leipziger Notenspur, the music trail of Leipzig. And once you're surfing the web, you can also visit gewandhaus.de for more facts on the famous music venue presented in this episode. Well, that's today's podcast. Have a good one and tune in for the next episode of Welcome to Leipzig. Bye bye.
1: Bye. Welcome to Leipzig the podcast for your trip to Leipzig.